Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. We are back here today for the first time here in the month of May, which means we are still a ways away from the playing portion of the college sports season, getting started with football coming up in the fall. But there's still plenty to talk about today after three Boilermakers heard their names called in the NFL draft, and then a few more received some contracts on top of that, plus the deadline to enter the transfer portal and have immediate eligibility this fall has come and gone. We did see a surprising entry from Purdue's defense. We will talk about all of that here on the show today, but first, as always, if you don't yet follow the show on Twitter, we're at Boilers Beyond talking all things Purdue and especially college athletics as a whole, uh, because that is certainly the dominant storyline right now. We're going to try to avoid some of that doom and gloom, depressing talk here on the show as much as we can. But talking all things college sports, all things Purdue there. Uh, So follow and be sure to subscribe. Uh, to Boilers and Beyond, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you don't miss an episode, because we have some good stuff planned this summer, uh, have plenty of room for more. So if you have episodes you would like to hear, uh, things you would like me to talk about, guests you would like me to have on, uh, just let me know, and we will make that happen this summer, because we do, unfortunately, have quite a bit of time to kill. But hopping in today... Uh, The NFL draft obviously dominated the storylines of sports this past weekend, as it always does. The NFL dominates the news cycle unlike anything else. Um, And Purdue, for the first time in 11 years, had a player go in the first round, that being George Karloftis, going 30th overall to Kansas City, uh, heading to play for the Chiefs, a team that Uh, certainly is much closer to contending than most others in the league. They've been right there for the last couple years, so a good landing spot for him. David Bell going 99th overall in the third round there to Cleveland. Uh, Lots of questions about David Bell and where he would end up. Obviously, that 40-yard dash time scared a lot of people off. The rest of the agility numbers that he turned in at the NFL Combine didn't help. Same with Purdue's Pro Day, but now that the draft is over, uh, those numbers are somewhat irrelevant, as it's all about what happens on the field once you are in the NFL. And Xander Horvath didn't know whether Purdue would get a third player drafted or not. Thought Horvath or Demarcus Mitchell might be guys who could sneak into the seventh round, uh, and Xander Horvath did it. Very interesting here. Um, Unbelievable pro day numbers for Xander Horvath. Back in, it was either February or March when Purdue had their pro day, I couldn't believe the numbers that Xander Horvath turned in um, on his, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the little sheet where they combine all the numbers and give you a grade. His grade was astronomical. Uh, So very cool for Xander Horvath to do all of that. And remember, 
we're not that far removed from him breaking his leg up at UConn back in early September, just the second game of the year. He came back, finished the season strong, and turned in some remarkable uh, athletic numbers at the Pro Day to get himself drafted. Um, Purdue did also have four guys, I believe just four. If I missed anyone, I apologize. Sign as undrafted free agents Demarcus Mitchell to the New England Patriots, Tyler Witt, Atlanta Falcons, Jackson Anthrop going just down I-65 to play for the Colts, and Jalen Alexander going just up I-65 to play for the Bears. Uh, you know, as far as the Purdue guys who got drafted go, I'm not going to try to go super deep here into how well these guys fit with their teams. Outside of the Bears, I don't know enough about specific NFL teams. You know, I couldn't I couldn't tell you a ton about Kansas City's defense, but for George Karlaftis, he's going to a contender right away. And when you're a first-round pick, you're usually a position uh, where you're going to be starting right away, especially if you're not a quarterback. Karloftis is incredibly powerful. He's certainly not the most freak athlete you'll see out there, but his strength, his size, he does move well. I think he's going to have a really good NFL career. And again, it's always nice to go to a contender right away because um, it's much easier to get drafted to a contender and have a chance at winning something early on than to hit the lock of free agency or a trade. So that's really cool. The Browns have been competitive in the last few years. Um, it changes now, of course. Deshaun Watson's there. They lost some players. I know Odell's gone. Jarvis Landry, I don't remember if he's gone or not. Um, they have Deshaun Watson replacing Baker Mayfield. Who knows if Deshaun Watson will be eligible to play or not. But um, it's an offense that's thrown the ball some in recent years. They are run heavy with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But, um, you know, who knows what that looks like. I think it's a good spot for David Bell just because they saw value in him. Um, I thought someone would pull the trigger with him just because his production doesn't lie. The guy made plays for three years nonstop. I have no reason to think that he's just going to completely fall off in the NFL. I don't think that's going to happen. And then the rest of the guys, you're hoping one or two can make a 53 or make a practice squad. There is certainly some interest between the Patriots and Demarcus Mitchell. They came to West Lafayette to work him out separate from Purdue's Pro Day. So... There's no doubt at least some interest there. I think if you go to the Patriots, they generally like you. Uh, that's a organization that seems to hit on an incredibly high rate of their players. Uh, so that's a good sign for Demarcus Mitchell. Mitchell was a freak athlete. It's a shame that Purdue didn't necessarily get the best of him all the time. He had his flashes. He had his moments. There were times both in the shortened 2020 season and last year where he really flashed, um, made some 
Really athletic plays against Michigan State and Indiana. Had a great game in the Music City Bowl, but battled some things both on and off the field um, that didn't necessarily help. I think now being in a situation where he's in a good organization and they're going to have a, some investment in him, I think that'll be good. Again, Xander Horvath, I don't know. Um would love to see him stick around. He certainly is probably not an NFL running back. It's all about special teams value at that point. And that's where I think Demarcus Mitchell can be a big-time help uh, just because of his athleticism. I think he can be valuable there. Horvath certainly could be. And if a team decides to keep on a fullback, uh, there are some NFL teams that do it still. Horvath fits that role very well. But, you know, one of the bigger things, this was Purdue's first draft with three players taken since 2008. Uh, that one surprised me when I heard it, but if you've watched Purdue football since 2008, like I have, it probably shouldn't have surprised me. Uh, not a lot of great football in that time frame, especially between 08 and 2017. Uh, it's helping you rebuild the list of pro boilers of guys in the NFL. I think that's really big. Uh, it gets you out. Ryan Kerrigan going in the first round gets you out of the conversation of the longest time without a first round pick. Uh, you see all those graphics for power five schools. And while Purdue wasn't on all of them, and Indiana and Iowa State are the two that stand out of not having one in the 21st century, uh, Purdue was getting close to there of the gap since they've had one. That gets you out of there. Uh, that punts that down the hill for another 10 years or so, and hopefully you can have another one before you start sneaking up on those lists again. I always hear the argument you know, that it helps you so much in recruiting to have pros I think more than anything, it hurts you to not have pros more than it helps you to have them. And I know that sounds incredibly basic, but it takes away one way that opposing schools can negative recruit against you. And that is always good to have. You know, you if you're Purdue, you're never gonna I don't say never, but you're not gonna get a lot of guys who, when they're in high school, look like guys who are for sure NFL prospects. Now, George Karloftis might have been that. Um, I don't know that David Bell was that in high school, but you, you get good players, and when you can tell them, hey, we've developed these guys and put them in the NFL, that certainly helps, but it also helps when say Minnesota says that, or Michigan State says that, that you can at least back up and point to your guys as well. You don't want to be the odd man out there that can't compete on something. It's like everything else. You have to stay competitive. This helps Purdue stay competitive. The list of your current pros has dried up a little bit. Um, you do have Rondale Moore, Derek Barnes, guys in their second year who I think are in really good situations, especially Derek Barnes. He got a lot of a lot of reps late in the year for the Lions, but you had Ricardo Allen retire. 
Ryan Kerrigan is slowing down if he hasn't retired yet. I can't remember, but he did not have a great year for Philly last year. Juwan Bentley doing well up in New England. Anthony Brown down in Dallas doing all right. Raheem Mostert made some noise before he missed most of last year with an injury. You've got a few other names. Bryson Hopkins had himself a nice Super Bowl performance. Uh, Marcus Bailey played in the Super Bowl. Dennis Kelly, David Blau sticking around. Um, but it's not what it used to be. You know, it was rocking and rolling back in the mid, early, mid, late 2000s. Those tiller groups, man, from the late 90s to the mid 2000s, there was a ton of pro talent. And guys who stuck around for a while, too. Uh, guys who, they had more than a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, got to a second contract, got to a second team through free agency. Uh, that stuff's always good. I, I know they don't necessarily do it. I think they still do it, I guess. The Sunday night player intros, where they say their school. You always want to hear guys saying Purdue. It always helps. It certainly doesn't hurt anything. Um, and moving forward, there's a lot to like about Purdue's future prospects of NFL players. I think as we look ahead to the 2023 draft to a year from now, there are Purdue players who are going to hear their names called. Um, I think probably the number one guy I'd look at is Jalen Graham. He's a bit out of position sometimes. You know, he, I don't know that he's an NFL linebacker. Is he quick enough to be an NFL safety? I don't know, but the guy can play. And he's a really good athlete. I think Jalen Graham's going to get drafted. Milton Wright's an interesting one because there is a question mark hanging over him right now in terms of whether he will be playing for Purdue this fall. It's been well publicized enough that I feel comfortable saying that on the podcast. Um... I think you'd love him to play, and if he has another good year, he'll be drafted no doubt. He's a good athlete who can go get the ball. Payne Durham is one that I could see getting drafted. He's a big tight end, big body, good hands. Uh, there's certainly usage for the tight end of the NFL. We've seen that. And then Corey Trice, he's a big corner. He's 6'3". He can move fairly well for that size. Now, could he get moved back to safety, the position he came into Purdue at? Sure. Could he move into a different role on a defense? Sure. But at 6'3", he's versatile enough. It's about getting more tape for him as well. Um, he was good for, uh, for a redshirt freshman back in 2019. 2020 was good and a Season that wasn't good, just as a whole, the COVID season was garbage for all parties involved. Uh, and then this past year, he only got, what, two games in before he got hurt in practice before the Notre Dame game. So you'd like to see some more from Corey Trice, see if he can't go. And then Aiden O'Connell's the question mark. Uh, obviously, he can sling the rock. He finished this past year on an incredible heater. Played very, very high-level football after that Wisconsin game. What does he look like this year? What does he look like throwing the ball? Sorry, my dog, the new Boilers and Beyond mascot, just made an appearance there. Um, 
What's he look like throwing the ball? Can he move? Can he run around a little bit better? Those are all the questions that are going to be asked about Aiden O'Connell, but there's no doubt that he can throw the ball really well. I did want to touch on, as we've reached the month of May, May 1st is now, and I will say, would say forever going to be, but Lord knows that's not going to be true, uh, the last day for players to enter the transfer portal and be immediately eligible for the upcoming season. That applies to fall and spring sports, so football and men's basketball. Um, so we saw some names going at the last minute across the country. Only one from Purdue, but it was a big one. Marvin Grant, uh, returning starting safety. He hopped in the portal really at the last minute. Uh, his name came across Twitter on Sunday evening, and the speculation started right away. Uh, was it NIL related? Uh, because we all know Purdue has had itself a rough go of it with NIL over the last month. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I, I have no idea. Marvin Grant's a good player. He's a solid safety Uh I don't know how much money there is for a decent safety to come in and be a plug-and-play guy. I don't know. Maybe there's more money than I think there is, but I don't know. It seems like a long shot to me that he's going to get some big NIL deal to go somewhere else. Uh, my, my thoughts more, and maybe this is just the cynic in me, but they go to more of the tampering route because... We're just a year removed from Malik Carr having one of the more bizarre transfer days I've ever seen. Uh, he entered the portal. I was in there for, what, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then announces he's heading up to East Lansing. This is another Detroit guy uh, in Marvin Grant. So I do wonder, and we'll find out you know, when he ends up committing, maybe there was some tampering going on. You know, we all know it's going on everywhere. The Jordan Addison from Pitt to Southern Cal story has been really disheartening in that regard for folks who like to see college sports doing well and not turning into a complete pay-for-play, free-for-all. Um, Marvin Grant's a big loss, no doubt, if he, assuming he doesn't end up back at Purdue. It is possible still that he comes back to Purdue. Uh, I tend to doubt it when he enters at the last minute, but hey, maybe he's out there looking for some big NIL deal and will come back if he doesn't get it. I have no clue. But it's a guy who started pretty much every game for you last year. I thought him and Cam Allen were going to make a nice step forward as a safety tandem with a second year of playing together pretty much every snap. But you look ahead. Uh, potential replacements. Could Chris Jefferson do it? He played a lot of nickel last year for you, uh, especially after Trice got hurt and Jamari Brown had to slide over to an outside corner spot. Antonio Stevens was back for spring ball. Uh, he got hurt in the 2020 game against Nebraska. It was ugly. He's back and healthy. Sanusi Kane is not healthy, but he got some nice experience in the bucket game and in the bowl game last year. He could be a guy, I, I know Jeff Brom said he may not be 100% for fall camp, 
We'll see what Sanusi Kane looks like there. And then I don't endorse the idea of moving Jalen Graham after the year he had last year, but he is a versatile guy who can go play other roles if needed. I thought, I really thought Purdue was going to make it out without losing any big-name guys, without any starters. I was all ready to talk about that on the podcast because I thought that would be impressive. You know, the vast majority of guys who transferred out were not contributors. I had the list up the other day. There were some names that I really forgot about um, in between the end of the season and now. Guys who just didn't do a whole lot. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's kind of what the portal is for. You know, if you're not playing as much as you would like at the Big Ten level, maybe you can go down and get some of that experience in the MAC level and go play there. Go get playing time there. Um, you know, it's a decent tool. Uh, Jack Plummer's your biggest name who left. He's out to Cal. Uh, maybe the starter out there. Um, some of the guys haven't found a landing spot, though. And that part's kind of a bummer, uh, just because it is sad when guys enter the portal and don't get picked up, but it's the risky play. Uh, it is truly a spin the wheel unless you're a real proven commodity and have somewhere kind of lined up before you even put your name in the portal. And then as far as basketball goes, uh, just with the portal there, Isaiah Thompson landed at Florida Gulf Coast. I had forgotten that Pat Chambers is the coach there, the old Penn State coach. Um, I, I don't know, maybe you know, maybe Pat Chambers liked what he saw from Isaiah Thompson when he coached against him, uh, because he would have coached against Thompson uh, in a game Penn State won at Mackey back in February of 2020. Um, forgot about the connection there. And then Eric Hunter Jr. remains in the portal. I really haven't heard a thing there either. I, I haven't heard of him taking visits anywhere else. I haven't heard of any real heat of him coming back to Purdue. You know, I don't know what's going to go on there. That's going to be interesting. I still think Purdue's going to have to take a guard. I think you need to supplant the roster with someone. Supplement, not supplant. Supplement the roster with someone. Uh, whether that's Eric Hunter or not, I don't know. I know Purdue made the final six for Tyrese Hunter. That could be a very tough one to land, but you never know. Time will tell there. Um, and whether Purdue football adds players or not still, we will see. Uh, Jeff Brom has always kind of maintained openness to taking someone who can start for Purdue right away. I'll add, I think that's the smart thing to do. If you can pick up a starter, I think that's brilliant. Um, you look at the offensive line, you would look at safety now probably, and I think you are always looking for help at running back if you can get it. So see if anything happens there. And a few final thoughts to close on here, because we always do this. The story last week was Mark Emmer resigning as the president of the NCAA. Whew. Good luck to whoever gets this job next. Um, you'll get paid very well to do it. You will get to move in a great move to a great city, live in Indianapolis. That part's going to be great. But boy, do you have your plate full. 
NIL and the transfer portal are out of control uh, and they are very well connected to each other at this point, which is even worse. Uh, This falls back on Emmert and the university presidents quite a bit because there was nothing in play about NIL and the one-time transfer rule is a disaster. Is quickly turning into the two-time transfer rule if some of these guys become immediately eligible. I hate that part of it. Um, you're dealing with that. They, you have Mark Emmert begging Congress to get involved with regulating NIL. Uh, that should go well. Congress is great at regulating things and moving in an efficient fashion and not frustrating people. So that's always great. Uh, The Supreme Court, however, killed any hopes that the NCAA had of maintaining the old status quo. You know, it was Justice Kavanaugh who came in and said, this foundation, this model would be illegal in any any other business in America. So why is it legal with the NCAA? He's probably right. Um... So players are going to get paid. Players are going to see money. It just becomes now. How do you make it name, image, and likeness rather than pay for play? And then there are still plenty of questions about the future of the current Division I structure. Conference realignments going bonkers still. Um, It was funny hearing Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick talk about how many schools he's heard want out of their conferences, uh, it feels like a great time to remind you how fortunate Purdue is to be in the Big Ten. Not that, you know, Purdue is the low man on the totem pole by any means, but there are a lot of comparable schools that are in the ACC or Big 12, and uh, their outlooks are much more questionable. Uh, The Big 12, can they even maintain a power conference? The ACC, they're locked into a god-awful TV deal for another half decade and a half, I think. I think it's through 2036. Those two are messes. Meanwhile, the Big Ten is out in Arizona to negotiate a roughly billion-dollar TV deal. Uh, so that's fantastic. Great to be in the Big Ten, but not a fun time for the NCAA. If it feels like... Purdue news is a little slow right now. It's probably because basketball recruiting hasn't quite been as hectic as sometimes is. And I I mean high school recruiting, not the transfer portal. The transfer portal changes that. It's always active. But Purdue's always going to be more of a program under Matt Painter that wants to develop some high school players more than they do relying on transfers. You hear a ton about the portal right now, but coaches are out recruiting high school players. In theory right now, Purdue's 2023 class is already full. Now, that may be a bold assumption to assume that no one leaves after next year. Because remember, with Isaiah Thompson out, Purdue does not have a senior on the roster next year. Um, It's clear that they still are recruiting Xavier Booker. Uh, the talented 6'11 forward from Cathedral down in Indianapolis. He's a target. I've seen him play. Uh, The potential is off the charts with him. 
Michigan State seems to be a big factor. I know Duke and Kentucky are getting involved, but uh, Purdue is involved there. But past him, it's quiet on the recruiting front. You have Miles Colvin and Draven Gibbs Lawhorn, both committed for 2023. Those guys are incredibly high-level players. Should be very excited for those guys to be at Purdue. And then a final thought because it gave me one little slimmer of hope this week that we are slowly but surely inching towards college football season. Some week one lines are out. Will Hill and Caesars both dropped them last night, I think. And Purdue opens as four-point underdogs at home versus Penn State in the week one Thursday night kickoff under the lights. Uh, Probably about right. I figured Purdue would be a short home dog. We'll see. Uh, We have a lot of time to look at things, a lot of time to break things down, but it is going to be an atmosphere on that Thursday night that is electric. It's going to be a great day of tailgating. It's going to be an electric atmosphere inside because Purdue will have the chance to pull off a win that really would be as big of a regular season win as it's had in some time. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending some time with me. We will be back here in the next week or two. I'm not sure what we'll be talking about yet. Uh, Just kind of have to wait. See if there's news, see if we've got to come up with a topic, uh, or see if Purdue provides a topic for us with what they do. But in the meantime, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond, talking about any news that breaks uh, NCAA, Big Ten, Purdue-related. We'll be talking there. And subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss anything. And hey, if there's any episode you would like to hear, any ideas you have, Don't hesitate to reach out. DMs are always open. But until next time, take care, everyone.